That's a beautiful song, and it's great to be up front and listen to you sing behind me and my wife, Joy, and it's great to be able to worship together with you on this Resurrection Sunday. And we are here only because Jesus is alive. If Jesus was dead, we would not exist at 1010 North Tustin Avenue. So that's the reason we're here. We love to honor someone who is alive, not someone that we go to the gravesite and put flowers on. That's nice to do, but it's nice to know that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive. And because He's alive, we can sing songs that we just sang. Lord, I give You my heart. Have Your way with me. Here is the challenge for us. Here's the dose of reality. What happens when have your way with me turns out to be not the way I want it to go? That's the challenge. I want to explore a little bit of what it means to have the resurrected Christ and to have His light shine out of that grave and have His light shine into our hearts and our lives and what difference that should make. I have an outline that I have available for you. It has all the Scripture on it that we're going to look at this morning. We don't mind you turning to your Bibles. There's a Bible in the chair rack in front if you'd like to read it. But uh, we want to follow along, and I have four questions that I want to ask and uh, make a good-hearted attempt to answer. And oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Dave Mitchell, and so it's good to be with you. I just realized I didn't introduce myself. And uh, if you're first time with us today, we're so glad to have you with us. One of the things we do is we go to God's Word and allow God to teach us and lead us. And whatever He says, we want to be in obedience to it, but we want to examine it. We want to learn from it. We don't just assume it to be true. We want to study it to confirm that it indeed it is true. And so we're going to look at four questions this morning, and it's all about discovering the light of Christ. As you heard on some of the songs that we sing this morning, it is all about the light and the darkness and the contrast. And the light of Christ gives to us a revelation about what He wants to do in our lives. Sometimes that's a struggle. The first question I want to ask and answer this morning is this. Why do we need the light of Christ? Aren't I doing okay by myself? If I'm paying my bills, I'm doing good, I've got a steady job, things are sort of working out okay occasionally, there are little hiccups, but generally speaking, things are pretty good. Well, why do we need the light of Christ for people who are somewhat self-sufficient in that way? Here's one of the things that God says in His Scriptures that really parallels the resurrection story. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, whatever we have, we have this ministry. As you receive mercy, we do not lose heart. The reason Paul wrote that, even to those who saw the resurrection of Jesus, is that we are prone to this uncertainty of life. Things are not certain. Not to create paranoia, but things are not certain. We don't know from day to day. One of the great examples of that, if you go to the garden tomb, where Mary Magdalene, one of the converts of Christ, Christ saved her, dramatically healed her, restored her life, gave her a brand new purpose and a great new life, and she walked with Jesus and served Him. One of the beautiful things about Christ is He would, in that culture, contrast to that culture even to this day, He loved to reach out to women and touch their lives. And they would come alongside and serve Him. Mary Magdalene was one of those. Well, Christ died on the cross. She was stood at that cross. She stood in the darkness as the cross of Christ in that miserable moment caused great pain and tears to her and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then after a couple of days, she went to the gravesite so that she could sort of check it out, anoint the body of Christ. She goes and the stone is rolled away. The rolling stone is rolled away. And I love the Orange County Register's editorial cartoon this morning. The rolling store, the rolling, 
I'm blowing it already. The Rolling Stone tour has begun. And you see the light emanating from the empty grave where Christ is. And that's beautiful. The Rolling Stone tour continues on. And for those of us who grew up in the 60s and 70s, that means a whole lot more than those who did not. So we want to look at that Rolling Stone tour that has now begun for Mary Magdalene as she comes into that garden place. And as she checks out to anoint the body of Jesus, thinking it's still going to be laying there as they had prepared that body, as even as Wilgerly grave sites, to remember those who have passed on before us. John records that event. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. And I love that imagery. She's early while it's still dark. And there's sort of almost a metaphorical value to that. Because she is in darkness. She doesn't know what's going on. Life is uncertain. She saw Jesus die. She expected to find the dead body of Jesus. It's not there. And she's in the dark. Both literally and figuratively speaking, she's in the dark. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ sometimes leaves us in the dark. We don't quite know what he is up to. And we are prone to lose heart. It's interesting that as Paul talks about that, there are three ways that we may lose heart according to the Scriptures. We may lose heart even in doing good things. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary and lose heart. Mary Magdalene did a lot of good things with Jesus. For up to three years, she walked with Him, served Him, committed her life to Him, gave up her own way of life so that she could surrender and do it His way. She did good. But as she stands in the dark at the grave, her good deeds seem fruitless at this point. And have you ever been at a point where you've tried to do the very best you can as a parent and the children just aren't quite turning out the way you had hoped at one point? You ever tried to do well in a marriage and somehow it's just not playing out the way you thought it would when you stood at the altar and you said, or I do vows? You have a job where you're doing your very best, you're working hard and somehow the employer doesn't seem to appreciate the good work that you do. Well, that is part of why Christ is alive today to help with. Because even when we do good things, we can grow weary of doing that. God recognizes that. God also recognizes in Ephesians 3.13 that we'll lose heart in painful circumstances. Therefore, I ask you, Paul writes, not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. I may lose heart because there is suffering that I'm going through, or sometimes it's even worse when my children, my spouse, my family, my friends that I care about the most, when they're going through tribulations, as Paul was, He says, I don't want you to lose heart. We lose heart when painful circumstances somehow enter into our world and we think, well, God, where are you? Where were you? Why are you not controlling this? Why are you not healing this? Mary Magdalene, she stood at the cross. She watched her Savior, Jesus Christ, die. One of the worst kinds of deaths of the crucifixion. And then she stood in the dark as that cross stood above her and then she stood at the dark as she entered into the little garden tomb area. And his body was not there. And sometimes in suffering, we lose heart because we're not sure what God is up to. And then we may lose heart thirdly because God seems absent. He doesn't seem to be answering my prayers. 
Jesus was speaking in Luke 18, and Luke records those words. Now he, Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus is very much aware of the fact that even those who are the most dedicated of his followers, like Mary Magdalene, that we will pray, we will ask God for a favor, we will ask God for a healing, we'll ask God for a reconciliation, we'll ask God for a job, we'll ask God for finances, mortgage payments, rent payments, car payments, whatever. And then the answer does not come. And Jesus, Luke 18, says, I I want you to know that I'm aware of the fact that sometimes you ask me for things and I seem absent. When Mary was at the tomb, Jesus was absent. There are moments in my life where I say, God, where are you? I'm trying to do good serve you well, but there's pain and there's lack of response. And we sometimes wonder, well, God, what are you up to? It's easy to lose heart. And that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, I don't want you to lose heart. And so why do we need the light of Christ? Because He needs to come into our lives and give us that hope even in uncertain times. And the second question is this, so what does Christ offer us in that respect? 2 Corinthians 4, 6, a little bit later in the passage, he says, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness. And literally it shined out of darkness at that gravesite for Mary Magdalene is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Christ, because He is alive, wants to shine His light, which is His life, into our lives. So that in uncertain times, when I'm losing heart, doing well, suffering, God seems absent. In those kinds of moments, Christ is alive, and so therefore we know this. Jesus offers a new life. Here's what Mary discovered. As she stood there in the tomb, she didn't go away. She didn't faint or fade away or call it quits. She persisted even in the dark, and God showed up in the person of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 20, a little bit later on, after she stood in the dark, Jesus appears and He said to her, Mary, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing Him to be the gardener, she said to Him, Sir, if you have carried Him, Jesus, away, tell me where you have laid Him, and I will take Him away. She still thinks He's dead, and when you think Jesus is dead, you live in despair and disappointment, discouragement. That was her concept. And we will think that when we think that Jesus is dead. But then Jesus comes alongside and He says, Mary. And as soon as she heard His voice say her name, she suddenly awakened to a new life. She turned and said to Him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized Him immediately. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father now, Mary. He's your Father to my God, and now He is your God, Mary. Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that He said these things to her. It changed her life. When we live in uncertain times and there's disappointments that Mary had, of doing good but being disappointed, of somehow suffering but not always understanding it, of seeking God but He seems to be absent, 
Those are the moments that we understand what Mary is now understanding, that I have seen the Lord. And He makes a difference in my life. It doesn't make it easier always, but it gives us the hope that He is still alive and watching over us. And so why is it so hard? If the power of Christ is in me, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is in my life, then why is my life so difficult at times? That's what the struggle is. I struggle with that. God, if you're alive, then why is this life down here a little bit more of a struggle than it seems like it should be? It should feel like I am, I have no sense of pain and no sense of loss and sorrow and disappointment. It should just go well every day. I'm happy all the day. Some of the songs that we sing say those words. And they're simply not true words for me always. And maybe they're not true for you. Where suddenly everything is always okay no matter what happens. So why is it hard to live in the light of Christ? Because we have this world that still has darkness that wants to sneak in. Let me give you a little little small example of that. This last week I had to go to my doctor. I had this annoying inner ear thing where it felt like I was living in a bubble which for some times it feels like that's normal for me. And as I walked away from Kaiser, one of the things that Kaiser does, they, they give you a printout of your visit. And so I read over all the prescriptions and the drugs and stuff that they gave me that day so I don't take it the wrong way. And the last page of that, it says at the top here, health summary. And then it says, ongoing health conditions. And so as I'm walking out to my car in the parking lot of Kaiser over here on 4th Street, I'm looking at my ongoing health conditions. The first thing that they list there is overweight, <laughs> which is an improvement because they used to call me obese. And they must have gotten so many complaints that it said, I'm not obese, I can't possibly be obese. And so they now call it overweight. It's the political correct term, I guess. And then underneath o- overweight, and I won't list them all for you, there are nine other items (laughs) go ahead this is private information here you cannot have my username on password nine other items and by the time I got to my car I was very depressed and it made a sort of a harsh reality of life that we are imperfect people and Maybe in some simplistic way this makes sense, but I don't know why they have to keep telling me all of my problems. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like there are those of us, and I can conclude myself in this list, that some of us feel like God keeps a list like this. Ongoing spiritual conditions where all the history of all my problems, God's up there just writing them all down. And every so often, he just sort of sticks it in my face. I say, Lord, I don't want to live under the heavy burden of you constantly, constantly pouring out all this stuff on me. So why is it so hard to live in the light of Christ? Because we are imperfect people with imperfect lives. And there's a sense of brokenness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 puts it this way. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And he's referring to this body of mine, this overweight body that you're looking at. This is an earthen vessel. So that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not from ourselves. 
God says, I don't want you to be self-sufficient. I want you to be dependent upon my power, the resurrection power. And here is the reality of our lives. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul says, that's a reality show. We're not saying these things never happen to those who are followers of Jesus. That's part of the reality of our lives because we are earthen vessels. We're like this pot, this clay pot that Paul had in mind. And we want it to be perfect. We want it to be perfectly shaped. We want everything to go well with it. But he says, you're nothing but a clay pot. And if you crash that clay pot to the ground, it will shatter. I am not this perfect clay vessel. I am an imperfect vessel that is dependent upon the power of God. And then he breaks it down just a little bit more. He says, you may be afflicted but not crushed. The word afflicted there is actually used of Jesus in the the New Testament where the crowd is pressuring him. To be afflicted is to be pressed upon by people and circumstances of life. That's a reality that Paul says is going to happen to even those who are the best followers of Jesus. I'll be pressed upon by finances by problems in marriages, by health issues. I'll be pressed in upon. Paul says that's part of being an earthen vessel. But he says, I will not allow you to be crushed. I won't allow you to get to the point where you have no way to get out of this problem. But the reality is to be afflicted, yes, but not crushed. The reality is to be perplexed. The word perplexed is actually a word that can mean to have great doubts. It's a term that refers to without a way. I don't know what way to go. It's actually used in Luke chapter 24, verse 3, where the apostles came to the empty tomb and they looked inside and saw no body of Jesus. And it says they were perplexed. They didn't know what's going on. They didn't know what was next. They had doubts about what was up with God. But he says, I won't allow you to be despairing. The word despairing means to have an end of the road have no way out god says i won't allow you to get where there's no way out i'll allow you to have doubts but it won't get to the point where you have no way out then he says you know you'll be persecuted but not forsaken you will be struck down there are times when we are struck down but we're not going to be destroyed god says "I, i have a limiter on what will happen in your life but the reality is you will have some afflictions you will have perplexity you will have persecution at times you will be struck down there are believers around this world that are being persecuted and struck down in syria and Somalia, all around the world we are seeing the stories of that happening but they are not forsaken they are not destroyed and so for us god brings us to that level where we have this treasure jesus in this earthen vessel that is so hard to manage at times. I want to illustrate it in a very dramatic way. There's a woman in our church, her name is Emmy. And Emmy has a story that brings full color to the reality of God's Word and the importance of the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to take a look and listen to Emmy's story. It's through every heartbreak that God made me stronger and gave me courage and has equipped me to walk and make it through another day. So I come from a family with six people in it and five out of the six are addicts, except for me. A lot of hurt, a lot of depression. 
lots and lots of brokenness. And growing up in such a dark place was hard for me when I was young. And having all of these conflicting views of, of what it means to be a Christian and then having all of this brokenness hidden up on the inside, smiling on Sunday, but then throughout the week, you know, after we come home from Bible study, then there's all of this hurt and this pain and this muck. And it felt like it was always holding me down. I always felt that God just was covering me and that he put his hands over me to keep me safe from any of those desires. And I knew from a young age that I could just hear God talking to me and that he had something so different in store for me, that he saved me from those desires and he saved me from those temptations at a young age. I remember being in middle school and just really making a clear stance that if Jesus is going to be my Lord and Savior, that I want to live a lifestyle that reflects that and that I want to know who he is if I'm going to say that I love him. And it fueled this desire to study his word and to pursue him. And even though I made that stance and I chose to live for God, I still had all that brokenness still in my house, constantly surrounding me, pulling me down, hurting me, breaking my heart over and over again. And through all of that brokenness, it was God that gave me peace. On November 3rd of 2014, my mother was murdered outside of my house and she passed away next to my mailbox. It was something that I can't even begin to describe to you. In all of the uncertainty and the confusion, I continue to trust God that there's something more going on and there is a greater story that I can't see right now. And then, again, on March 20th, 2015, I lost my dad. He died from a stroke one week after my wedding as I was coming home from my honeymoon and it hurts so much again but I'm going to trust God through this and I'm going to trust him in my brokenness that there is something beautiful coming out of this and that it's through his strength and through his peace that I am sustained and that I can't see what's going on right now but if I'm going to say that God is good, that good, that God is good all the time, then that means God's good now too. That even in the loss of my mother, and now my father, I still believe that God is good. I think that tattoos can represent a lot to a lot of different people. And to me, tattoos can be a marker for places in your life. And when I look at the summary of my life and just the brokenness and the heartache, but also the beauty in all of it, my life verse is Psalms 18:28. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And consistently through my life and through every heartache, every trial, every darkness that I've had to walk through, God has consistently and faithfully always been my light and has walked me through it. 
and has taken those dark and hurtful things and has turned them into something light and beautiful and turned the things that hurt me into the things that strengthened me, built up my faith in him and let me see him in ways that would have not been possible if I had a quote unquote normal, easy life. It's the reality of our lives, those of us who are the followers of Jesus. And that's why Paul writes, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness. And the darkness of Emmy's story of just a few weeks ago, getting married and then her father passing away after the terrible murder of her mother. And yet the light of Christ still shines. Now a lot of us, we want to be like this clay pot. We're all together. We have it together, but that's not reality. Emmy's story, as dramatic as it is, and others to lesser or greater degrees, we live broken lives. And we're a little bit more like this pot over here that, if you can see, is filled with cracks. It's broken. And that's why Paul says, so that the power of God can be revealed in us. And it's those cracks, it's the fractures, it's the failings of our lives, the mistakes that allows the life of Christ to shine brighter. And we are filled with the light of Christ. And when that light fills us, the cracks are revealed, but the cracks reveal the light of Christ. The value of the imperfections of our lives allows the greater visibility of the life of Christ in us. And we don't need to disguise them or hide them or deny them or live in this false reality that I'm like this pot. I'm not like this, nor are you. We're all like this, to one degree or another. And when I'm finally honest with the fractures of my life, then I allow the light of Christ to shine even brighter as He fills those cracks with His presence and His power. And that's what He says, For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness. And the more honest we are with God, the more the light of Christ shines out through us. Sometimes the tragedies are to mom and a dad and others that are around us. And sometimes God allows those things to happen to us and we're facing the possibility of dying sooner than we thought we might have to. Another story that I want you to hear about is Dave's story of the life of Christ shining through him, one of our own members here, as he deals with the struggle. Take a look and listen. Uh, just... Uh a shock when you first hear that, that you have cancer because you're not prepared for that. The last thing I thought he was going to say, I thought he, the doctor was going to say I had a back problem and I need to do some surgery. I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a bone cancer, um, in April of uh, 2011. And um, since then, uh, I've gone through surgeries on my back and lots of chemotherapy. I've learned something over the last four years when you, when you were uh, just clicking along like you thought you knew what you were supposed to be doing here at church and doing God's work and this kind of thing. And then God said, no, David, I want you closer. Give me a minute. Give me a minute here.
but I want you closer to me, David. And he said, I'm going to have to draw you closer to me my way. So I always remember the verse that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not always your thoughts. And so I have to keep that in my mind. And um, the last four years, God has really showed me, shown me how close he can be. And he's, I don't know how anybody could get through something like this without God. I just don't understand it. When I'm in a waiting room <clears throat> over at uh, St. Joseph waiting to go in for the chemo, people ask me, David, are you, are you scared of death? And I say, no, I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of dying. I don't like that part that leads you up to death. Everybody, everybody has to go through that, the pain and the different things. But I, I tell them I'm a Christian and God gave me my very first breath and he will give me my very last breath. There's nothing to worry about, you just keep on going. So the last four years has been a, a life changer for my whole family. <clears throat> uh, my wife, Raina, has really uh, been right beside me. She's, she's the one that encourages me. It's kind of my conscience sometimes when I get frustrated or whatever, but, but uh, Jesus just keeps on coming back to me and telling me, David, I'm right here with you. When I get frustrated sometimes because it just, um, the pain, I suppose you'd say, from the back and the stomach and wherever else in between the top of your head to the bottom of your feet that comes along with this. But uh, Jesus is uh, there every minute with me. I used, to, I used to think I would live day by day. That's too much to take off. I just live minute by minute. So it's even hard to say, but I do thank God for my cancer. Um, and I don't, I don't have any fear of, uh, of death itself. I know where I'm going, I'm going to be with Jesus one day, and that's, that's the most important thing to me. So living through this cancer is, is, is a challenge, but I have the best there ever was and there ever will be. Jesus, he's right with me.
with this heart, Lord, I'll be your vessel, this world to see your life in me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was lost, now am found, was blind, but now I see, oh, I can see you now, oh, I can see the love in your eyes, laying yourself down, raising up broken to life. Can you try this part with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was to bring it home for us and bring one last question to our lives. How do I receive the light of Christ into my life? If you went back a few years and Emmy's story or Dave's story, on an Easter Sunday like this a few years ago, they would be out there worshiping like the rest of us with no thought that a mother may be murdered or a father die of a stroke or have the diagnosis of cancer. But these are certain realities that come, not again for paranoia's sake, but reality's sake, that there is a resurrected Jesus that has come into this world to help us go through the earthen vessel life with His power in us to move us forward in a healthy and appropriate way. That's why answering that question, Paul writes, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. What do they speak? Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. The hope of the resurrection of Christ is the hope of the resurrection of each of us, our earthen vessels. And that's why Dave Bowman did not fear death because he knows that he will be raised up with Christ as Christ was resurrected so will he and so will all that decide to say I want that light and life in me so how do I get it what's that all about here are some areas to explore I need to admit that I am an imperfect person that I am an earthen vessel, that I am, I am fractured. I, 
I have not lived up to the standards that God has for me. And it may be small, subtle ways. It may be larger legal ways. But whatever they are, we're all imperfect people for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul says. I need to confess those to Jesus. I said, Jesus, you died on that cross to make payment for those things so that you could forgive me. Unlike Kaiser, when you come to Jesus, he doesn't keep a list. They're gone. You don't have this little spiritual condition checklist of all that God is holding against you anymore when you allow Jesus in your life and his forgiveness is yours. And so I need to believe that Jesus did die for me and and receive that forgiveness and rose again to a brand new life and then receive that light into my life and say, yes, I want him in my life to help me to go through the fragile vessel of brokenness so that I can live this life better with power but also have the hope that when that day comes for me, I'll be ready to go to heaven and I'll know for sure that if I died right now, I'd be in the presence of Jesus immediately. And as I like to say at funerals, George Bernard Shaw said something, the statistics on death are phenomenal. One out of every one person will die. And sometimes I and we live as though that's just not going to happen to me and that's like way out there. But are you ready if it happened today or 10 years from today or 50 years from today? Jesus died and rose again to give us the certainty of life forever with him in heaven. And so I'm going to invite you to make a decision if you have not made that decision yet. There's a card in the little chair rack in front of you. And I encourage you, if this is an area that you would like to make a decision in, to explore it perhaps, that on that card, in the middle portion of that card, in the front face of it, it says, today I made a first-time decision to follow Jesus. Or secondly, I decided to renew my relationship with God. Because we want to invite you into a life that Christ paid such a heavy price to include you as part of. And so if you'd like to make that decision, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question after that prayer. So would you pray with me for just a moment? God in heaven, as we pause for just this moment to come before you and to know that your son Jesus Christ is that resurrected Lord who, who lives at your right hand and he lives to enter into our lives on this earth. And Lord, I am nothing but an earthen vessel with fractures through which I pray your light would shine. And for all who had met that God, may your light shine brightly through their fractured lives as well. And have your healing power to help guide and provide and restore. And if you're here today and you'd like to make a first-time decision to confess your sins, to receive Jesus in his light and life in your life, Pray with me these words. God in heaven, I want to receive Christ. I believe he died for me. Forgive me of my imperfections and enter into my life new so that I can rise again with you in that future day. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And before you lift your heads up, 
If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to just, would you raise your hand if you prayed that prayer? I'd like to pray a blessing over you. Yes. Yes. I see. Yes. Let me pray God's blessing upon you. God, these who raise their hands to receive Christ, to have his light and life in their lives, God, I pray that your power would fill them as they admit the brokenness, the imperfections. May your light shine even brighter through those cracks. May you fill them with the power of the resurrected Jesus. And Father, I commit them to you and for your care. Allow us the privilege to walk with them in that journey of faith. We thank you for that as we pray it now. In Jesus' name, amen.